Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Masters Dojo Podcast. This is a show for game masters and players alike. We hope to bring you tips and tricks to elevate your game and develop the art of dungeon mastery. I'm your host, Louis Aponte, and these are your Dungeon Masters, Scott Labby and Bill Robitaille. Let's head to the dojo and see what they have in store for us today. Good afternoon, Bill. Good afternoon, Lou. Scott, you're looking mighty radiant. Thank you. Well, it's warm out. He's sweating, and, so he has a glisten yeah, on his forehead. And, uh, and that was me being nice for the week. That's it. You heard it here first, folks. But I do like the Hawaiian shirt. Thanks. It brings out the radiance in your eyes. Oh, why, thank you, Lou. That's very flattering. Beware, Scott, something's afoot. Yes, uh, and it is the Radiant Citadel, I think. This is where the radiancy that uh, Lou has been tossing around. He caught on. Yeah, it's a new book, and as usual, we're, um, well, we're, we're behind everybody else in our look at it, but. We're looking at it. But that's okay. We don't have to sprint out there and give you our rushed opinion on it. It's a nice looking book. And uh, and I'm liking what I'm seeing. I always buy these. I never ever use them. <laughs> ever. We, we talked about this last week. It's we talked about this multiple weeks. <laughs> you're a dealer, an addict, and you pushed them on Bill. I'm not a dealer. You Wizards can, of the Coast is a dealer, but yes, they, I. Uh, they, they, he's they, a facilitator. There you go. So you now got Bill into this addiction with your addiction. No, I. I no, I didn't. Did you buy him one? Delivered, delivered to my doorstep. And does he have to pay you back? Yeah. Hence, dealer. <laughs> no, that's a, it's a reimbursement for me purchasing it from the dealer, which is Wizards of the Coast. I didn't get Bill into anything. Bill's been buying books like <laughs> 10 years before like I started like reading. I was buying books when it was scribbled on a, a piece of slate yeah. with chalk. When, when they were done on typewriters and stuff. This is, this is nothing new. It's not like, hey, Bill, all of a sudden there's D&D books, FYI. No. I have books that I printed out on a dot matrix printer. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. From the old interwebs back in the uh, at AOL.com email days. We won't talk about those days. Or what was, what was, what was the other was one? Prodigy, CompuServe. Juno. 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 Juno, yeah. <laughs> Juno was a free one, if I remember yeah, it was. correctly. Yeah. So it worked. The Radiant Citadel. The Radiant Citadel. We get a we get a peek at um, the Radiant Citadel and some of the uh, noteworthy sites in the beginning of the book. It's um, it sounds almost like the perfect society. Nobody wants for anything. Everybody's nice to each other. Everybody kind of takes care of everyone else. Um, Beware utopia. Yeah, it's almost almost utopian. Um, which, on the surface, sounds fucking boring. But, but there's a lot you can do with a utopian society because when things look perfect, it's usually... Because there's a lot of, you know, kind of like makeup on around it. You know oh, I mean? yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. underneath the surface, <laughs> yeah, there's some stuff going on that is the fodder for good adventures, even even homebrew stuff. 
So I feel like you could have a lot of fun with this. Well, yeah, because uh, what what is the the gloss of the utopia hiding? Yeah, yeah, and, and, and how and, is it enforced? And, yeah, who's hiding it? Why are they hiding it? There's a lot of a lot of questions there, yep. and uh, a uh, resourceful or lucky adventurer might stumble on yep. or dig up a, a little hint of this, and may want to to peel back that. Veneer just a little bit more and see what's hiding underneath. The Radiant Citadel is but one horny Starfleet captain away <laughs> from going to shit and being exposed for what it is. I hope there's no one green there. From the sounds <laughs> of it, there probably is because yeah, there might a, be. There's a, it's quite a diverse population that that resides there. And uh, initially, initially, yes, this uh, it, it could it could be quite boring. Much like the first season of Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, but a clever DM could expose some things uh, gradually to a party that digs a little a little bit more than they should. And you could have a great deal of fun. But if you don't have the time for such thing, fortunately, they give you, what, like a dozen adventures in here? Uh, I think... 13 total? Oh, 14. 14. 14 does, uh, for levels from 1 to 14. So yeah, there's actually 13 adventures. Uh, the first one is for levels 1 and 2. So if you want to get new people into the game, that's the place to start. I like mm -hmm. these anthology books. Um, I, I rarely use... I Actually, I can't remember the last time I used a retail adventure. But um, if I were to commit to something, these these anthologies, these are the way to go. I think for me, I, I think it's um, somewhat timely that you just got done a whole series of quick tips on the uh, ethereal planes. Yeah. And, and lo and behold, the crystal Citadel radiant Citadel uh, resides in one of those ethereal. Planes. Yep. And, and by clever design, Bill, <laughs> uh, by clever design, my insider over at Wizards of the Coast had uh, leaked out the information. I said it's time to do a series on the planes. Well, thank goodness you have resources yeah. at your disposal like that. Yeah, uh, that's actually a lie. I was, uh, say, <laughs> I was about to say he just woke up. It, it just, I said, "Oh, I need a cup of coffee after that dream." It just it just happened <laughs> happened that way. I I wish I wish I was so prepared, but uh, a happy accident. We'll take it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, what do we think so far? I I think they they give uh, a little bit of knowledge on the different parts of the map that is setting on page seven. So, it does a couple little highlight point you know points out there, and they go through them right off the bat. What you're looking for, then they go into the diplomacy, the governances, law enforcement, the lifestyle, um, and then some of the groups that are running this whole thing so the groups of the citadel it's it's a it gives a nice a nice bit of information not too much for you to kind of describe the backdrop for these adventures and it's got i don't you know it almost has a um a disc world kind of yeah, Discworld, hollow, hollow world, one, you, one of those where it's a, know, the, a closed society, even though it Terry isn't. Pratchett. Yeah, yeah, it gives you that feel of a, of a closed society. And I could, be, I could be way off 
in this, but I, I do like that it's got a Terry Pratchett feel to me because I would be um I would be running these kind of adventures in an almost like comedic beer and pretzels kind of kind of way. Something even even, you know, the 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 heavier stuff. Um I think you could have a lot of fun with just a a beer and pretzels sort of campaign running through these these different these different adventures. And it takes you you could actually you could make an entire campaign out of this too, which is which is a nice uh oh, well absolutely nice thing, you know, because it does, as Lou said, takes you all the way up to level fourteen. And beyond if you want to press it, because by then hopefully you've uh Worked, spun a few of your own yarns and worked a couple of details of your own to add to it. And you could take it above and beyond from there because being the ethereal, you, you literally have access to the universe. So who knows what outside influences are going to come in or how you're going to get, you know, or influence anything or anything around you. Cause it, it basically acts like a, uh, a lighthouse in the ethereal plane. You can see it from all, you know, from great distances on the plane. So it acts almost like a lighthouse, which you can draw in who knows what. Yeah. It's uh, the artwork in this. Um, it's got a, it's got a flavor that I think fits the whole radiant Citadel thing, like a high fantasy sort of artwork from, you know, the eighties or nineties wouldn't, wouldn't work well here, but this, this kind of, this kind of art, speaks to what I imagine, you know, the vibe of, of the Radiant Citadel would be for my my particular campaign. Well, I, I think the artwork's a little bit different than what we've seen in some of the other books. Yes. And it each, each they're not just giving you a, a profile picture. You know, well, there's a few in there, but there's a lot of, like, full-blown half-page scenes here that... Uh, that were a little bit more prevalent than what you were seeing in some of the other books. And I, and I do like it because it gives you a little bit more flavor of what's going on. Yeah. The, the one gripe I do have with, with the artwork is the artwork looks like it was plucked from the real world. And I don't know why, you know, there's like a day of the dead sort of depiction. What looks like a, um, uh, Central American, I don't know, farmer or whatever, holding a chicken. Um, it's, you know, it looks representative uh, of our world. And I don't know, for, for me, that's kind of like kicks me out of the immersion of the game. I I live in our world, and uh, I use D&D to escape it. I don't know the picture of the like twenty foot long shrimp in the restaurant. It, it looks uh, not necessarily uh, everyday worldish. I like the picture on page twelve. Yeah, it reminds me of Wakanda a little bit when um, yeah King Chichala's in is visiting the afterlife. Yep. But like both Bill and Scott said, I think the, the all these uh, adventures are good. And to add to what Bill and Scott uh, said, you can actually take uh, pieces of these and put them into your campaign when you don't have anything prepared yeah and and you should do that 
you know, you should, you should definitely utilize, if you're not going to run these retail adventures as they are, part them out, you know, pluck encounters out and kind of stick them into your campaign where you, where you think they'll fit. You know, you're going to want to make some, make some notes, of course, but, uh, and, and try not to make it seem like they're, they're shoehorning into your campaign, but definitely, definitely feel free to use those. I think this would be a nice kind of, I don't know, maybe like city of operations. Perfectly said. Yeah. For a, a party that's going to be traveling in a, um, kind of, um, what's the, what's the campaign setting? I'm saying. Spelljammer. Spelljammer, certainly. Um, and, uh, the other one. Why am I not? Which other one? There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them, but it's, um, I could see the books in my head. Why don't you look over there? Is one of those over there? May take too long to look through it. (laughs) There's a lot of different campaign settings that it's going to allow you to jump from world to world, to theroplane to the theroplane. He's looking it up. Portals, things like that. Yeah, yes. Yep. So, yeah, like I said earlier, the... the Landscape. Landscape, there you go. (laughs) This is what happens when you get old. (laughs) I said at the beginning, it it says, you know, how you can see it, even on the ethereal plane, the bright stands out as a bastion of hope, and you can see it from a a long, long distance away, as well as a bunch of several other larger gems that that circle and and move around the, the actual citadel itself. So it acts as a... A lighthouse. Let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor. You're a new DM who wants to jump behind the screen. Maybe you've been volunteered by your gaming group, but aren't quite ready. You've been watching people play games online or on podcasts, and you're thinking to yourself, where do they come up with all that descriptive narrative? There's no way I can do that. Well, don't worry. We've got a solution for you. What if I were to tell you that I can put a team of professional writers alongside you at your desk while you're prepping your game? Sounds pretty good, huh? With Describe, we can do just that. These narratives vividly describe monsters, places, spells, people, you name it. It's there, and there are more than 6,000 of these easy-to-search-up, copy, and pasteable, beautifully written narratives right at your fingertips. Confidently read these narratives aloud in your campaign and impress noob and veteran gamer alike. And the best thing about it is... The library of narratives is constantly growing, and it's affordable. Describe has graciously provided us with a discount for our listeners. Head on over to describe.com backslash DMD. That's D-S-C-R-Y-B dot com backslash DMD. Use the code DMD at checkout to try Describe for two weeks for free. Links will be in the show notes. And now, back to the show. Yeah, so, yeah, so that's ethereal plane. So that would be a perfect jumping point for someone to keep coming back or a base of operations, like you said, to keep coming back to. And even if even if you're not going to adventure in this book per se, you know, utilize any of these these cool little um, anthology adventures, you you still, I think, you have enough to after reading the book utilize the radiant citadel as, as a base of operations type of place for your, um, for your adventuring party and maybe dip your toes into one of these little anthologies here and there on a night where 
maybe you don't have everybody at your table. You know, there's always that one person that seems to be missing every now and again. <laughs> and you can jump into one of these little anthologies, probably bang it out in a, in a, in a night or two of, of gaming and still have something. Well, you just keep it on the books and all right, make your characters for it. Uh, keep your character sheets. Give me a copy. Tuck the copies in the in the book itself, and then if something happens, or you weren't here last time, like I said, we're we're in the middle of summer right now, so vacations are one of those things that pops up on yep. a regular basis. Um, illnesses, and then work schedule changes. You get a bunch of those things all together, and all of a sudden your table of six is down to two or three, real fast. Yeah, these uh, are. This is perfect to pull this out. Okay, everyone, with this, whip a character together. You know, we're going to jump on the planescape. Um, rule set and let's go with that. Tuck the characters in there. Game master can always make a couple NPCs or whip a character, you know, character up himself, not necessarily for himself for the next time around. Where are these are the characters available? You know, pick one because you might have a comp- three completely different people the next time around. Yep. Yeah, and and uh, that's that's the beauty of something like this is that you. You don't have to have your entire table worth of people to play in these. Actually, it's it it it's a great filler kind of thing for your for your gaming table when people aren't there, as opposed to switching games, right? And in, in rule sets, and you know, or coming up with different characters on the fly for you know whatever reason, or someone having a wing it kind of in the big chair. Um, it's these are these are great. And I'm happy to see the Room of Varax if the, I uh, is back. One of my favorite species of badgers. What page? 105. It's almost got like a honey badger look to it. <laughs> the Arumvirax. You don't give a shit. Yeah. What you remember? You have to remember the Arumvirax. It's been around since the 80s. I don't. You don't? No. Shame on you. I was just thinking that's what that should have been fighting. <laughs> or at least riding or tr- attempting to attempting to. <laughs> One of the, the, the things I like that they started doing when they, they do these books is they give you more than just like the, the basic monster stats. You know, they usually throw stats in for different types of a particular monster, you different know, so types have, or, or different levels. Yeah, you know, you'll have your juvenile, your yep. your adult, your your venerable, or something along those lines. And that's something we had in in second edition back in the old days, is yep. particularly with dragons. Yeah, but you'd have like you know with hobgoblins, you'd have the warrior, you would have the like the chieftain or whatever have you. You'd right, have all you, these different levels. Yep. Now it'd be called CR ratings. Yes. Same difference. Yeah, they were hit dice back in those days. <laughs> hit dice. Yeah. Um. I don't know it, it seems to have this almost Mayan backslash African kind of feel to the whole book. I was listening to Jerry Jeremy Crawford and um he was saying that this is actually was given to their writers from all various uh, places around the world, so really? we can get um a fantasy vision of some of their beliefs and history. Oh, that's cool. So I thought that that may be not totally correct, but that's what it was supposed to be like. So there's a bunch of different writers from different backgrounds or uh, places around the world where it depicts, because there's some that look like they were, like you said, Aztec or Mayan. Yep. Uh, there was some here that looked like they were down from, we'll say, the 
Mexico or some from Africa, all mm-hmm. all around yeah. different yep. places. Yep. The East. Yep. Yeah, I, and that's that in here that's too. um that's kind of nice to see because for the longest time D and D was kind of like um, Eurocentric. Yes. And monochromatic. Yep. Um, and it it is it is nice to have some representation, some diversity. I think that was the word he he actually used. Uh, yep. um, inclusion, uh, diversity, and representation. All in, in not in those that uh, order, but throughout that whole. Uh, I think it was like a fifteen minute YouTube thing. That's what he talked about. And that's always a good thing because it attracts more people because when you can relate to something um, in some way, it it usually will draw draw an individual in. Well, I also like to, for those that of us that have gone through that very, well, I want, for lack of a better term, vanilla kind of mindset, it's nice to see different stuff from what has influences from different parts of the world. Exactly. If someone like I mean myself, I'm, I'm always interested in um, architecture, especially ancient architecture, you know, Egyptian and Mayan and uh, Mesopotamian. And, and it just, matter. I, it just, I'm all, you know, I, I one on my bucket list is still going to Petra um, to see the temple in Petra. So to be able to see a lot of that stuff, at least vaguely represented here is actually really, really good intriguing for me because I, you know, you know, it's like, wow, I, you know, I, that's where I'm seeing these flavors of, yeah, of Aztec mid, and Mayan. Yeah. And, Middle Eastern. Yeah. Middle Eastern. And, you know, the, the South American, you know, the Central America, there's a lot of Central American influence here too, which is cool. And I, I think it's a long time coming without having to just write one campaign setting for the desert and one for the jungle and one for here and one for there to blend them all together. Um, you're in a, an area that's prone to see people from all different walks of life and planes of existence. Yeah. There should, there, it, it makes sense to have a representation here that, that those particular people would be uh, concentrated and um, drawn to. So they would populate the area because it reminds them of where they came from yep. and they would bring their beliefs and everything along with them. Yeah. Which is, which would be kind of, Cool, painting the picture of the city streets as you move into an area that, you know, is maybe populated by um, a totally different culture. So over the over the course of many years, even though they've they may have been assimilated into, you know, the the greater culture there of the Radiant Citadel, they have their their areas where the majority of their people tend to settle into and you know like you said their architecture begins to pop up their food mm-hmm. offerings are there uh language well, they're, they're they're still part of the overall culture but you have areas that where they're going to celebrate their their ancestry and their heritage yeah, like, you know chinatown little right. italy you know back when immigration was 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 hopping back in the old 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 days i remember it well i i like what they also do is um when you go through each of your adventures, they give you um, a pronunciation of some of the names. Yeah. But then they tell you uh, for the settings. So, like, I'm looking at Buried Dynasty on 186, and you can use this uh, through the Radiant Citadel, the Forgotten Realms, or Mistara. Those are some of the examples it gives. So it's more than just one place. Right. So they they make suggestions of where you can pluck stuff out and put it into your existing campaign setting, which is nice because then it would fit perfectly. 
and I I would I would definitely plunder from multiple campaign settings oh, yeah. to to populate a place like this. Um, you know, like the Oriental Adventures campaign setting or uh Al Kadim, um even some of the Hollow World stuff, even though that kind of falls under Mistara. Mm-hmm. Um not just Forgotten Realms, Kryn. You know, I, I I would imagine that Kender in in droves would be showing up, you know, to like a giant gem like shard floating in the ethereal plane. Who wouldn't want to try to pocket some of that? Right. Well, there's crystals everywhere. So you get one of those races that like shiny and then you know, the obviously you have this massive continent size, <laughs> you know, crystal that everything's you know built around. There's there's pieces and shards and and hints and materials of crystal everywhere. I think they would quickly be be overcome with with their, with so much stuff trying to be able to carry it. They'd still try. They'd hoard as much as they possibly could. Yeah, I, so far from everything I've seen through this book, um, I like it. They did it well. I do too. I'm not a big fan of retail adventures. So we hear, uh, but. I own them all, <laughs> and I am a big fan of these anthologies. I really, really, really like any anything anthology that has, like, bite-sized kind of anything, you know, anthology, sci-fi, stories, anthology, adventures in D&D. It's, it's definitely, it's like enjoying a fun-sized Snickers. You know where the full you're, size one will get you a bellyache. I was going to say, I'm going to say, right. you're a big guy. Isn't that a, just a full size for you? <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lou's been so nice up to this point. I thought you might start to feel needy. No, no. Oh, not okay. At all. all right. All right. Not not at all. Okay. I'll just. So, what do you think? Is is it is it worth it? We got this for like twenty eight dollars a copy because I got it on Amazon. Um, because we don't have a, well, we do actually have a, f- uh, friendly neighborhood gaming store. I've just never been there. I've been there a couple of times. Yeah. They say, where's Scott? I'm like, eh, I don't know. He's on Amazon <laughs> ordering <laughs> Bill's book. No, they don't say that. Um, but <laughs> yeah, 28, 28 bucks, not bad for a hardcover book. Um, 50 probably if you're, if you're shopping at. A retail store. A retail store, which, you know. Yeah, that's what it says on the back of the book. Forty nine ninety five. If you can, do it. I know I'm I'm a hypocrite saying that because I never get out to Springfield. That's a long drive. To, like, whatever the name of this is, Hobbies and Friends or something. Games and Friends. Games and Friends. And there's another one. I just forget the name of it. It's right, uh, right down. It's on Cooley and Allen. But I like it. I think it's worth it. I like it too. I do too. I think they did a really nice job. I like the, as uh, Lou mentioned, the inclusion of uh, a number of different cultures, and, and they're they're blended well, but not so much where they they can't work together. And, and I do like the way they they have a soft touch on it, where you can go deeper if you want. If you want to you know, really press that you can, but it doesn't do so in the book itself. Yeah. So I think it, I think it's blended. Well, I like the whole idea of it's, 
it's basically a, a an ethereal plane port city. Yeah, I like it too. And also, I think it gives us a taste of what's to come. Because as we know, there's really nothing written for Dragonlance in 5e. Right. right. But one of the settings in The Sins of Our Elders is in Dragonlance. Ooh, little hints. Yep. So they might be building towards that. I think so. Dragonlance, Spelljammer. We've mentioned a couple of times where we've seen hints of Spelljammer yep. already. Uh, that's August 22nd, I believe. Yep. So we know that's on its way. Uh, we've seen that coming. So, yeah, maybe Dragonlance would be next. Yeah, cause, or else why would it be listed as one of the it. settings? Right. So, yeah, um, I'll give it two thumbs up and say it's worth the uh, worth the investment. I give it a thumb and three quarters. Thumb and three quarters? Yeah. You want to commit a full thumb? Well, some ever, place, some... ever since that shop accident in <laughs> high school. <laughs> well, there's that. But I I don't see some players picking this up because it's a DM's book, more or less. Yeah. Unless you're it, a collector, which you should be. Yep. Because as a player, someday... You'll be Hopefully, running. you'll be running, and you can try. You know something? I need some stuff. Oh, that's right. I had this book on the shelf that I haven't been able to use. So with that said, it'll be two thumbs. There you go. How about you, Scott? I like it. I. We don't hear that often either. Uh, no, no, I do, I do, and the, the really the 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 only gripe the only gripe I have is that I want I want my fantasy to look like fantasy. I don't want a lot of representation of the real world in it, but I totally get what they're trying to do and I'm on board with it because I think, I think D and D is really for everybody, not just white neck beards, old timey folk, you know? Um, so that is, that is cool. And I like that kind of like after you mentioned the, you know, like that shared cultural perspective that, that came in at, I think that's a really neat thing. So, yeah, both my thumbs. And that's Journey Through the Radiant Citadel. We'll see you next time in the dojo. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Or you can drop us an email at the Dungeon Masters Dojo at gmail.com. Thank you and have a good day.